Chapter 10. Magic in Unlikely Places I'm freezing, announced Billy, finding his voice again as he zipped closed his jacket, seeing how the snow lay in deeper and wider patches around bigger and bigger rocks the higher they climbed. We got this, Davy reminded them, plucking the small bottle from his pocket. Want to try it? Anything's better than this. Give it here, Billy demanded, grabbing the bottle from Davy's hand. Hey, wait, only one, snapped Davy, unable to finish before Billy had taken a gulp. The others watched as the whites of Billy's eyes changed colour to match his bright scarlet face, while his mouth stretched wide and threw out a loud bark. Chrissy cried out as he jumped and wriggled as if being attacked by a mass of fleas or being showered in itching powder and was sure she could see smoke coming out of his ears. What's happening? Anne screamed as a dazzling red cloud spread all around him. Amidst the screams and panic, Kaimi Rane frantically looked for something that might help. Stepping to a bank of snow, he hurriedly gathered some together, then raced over to the boy and rammed it into his open mouth. The others stood and watched, now silent. Billy coughed and spluttered, blood and sand. What was happening to him, he thought, as he swallowed snow, feeling its icy touch as it slid down his throat. Wasn't he going to burst into flames after all? Something's happening. Look, he's not so red, said Ben the relief in his voice obvious. And his eyes are back to normal, thank goodness, agreed Chrissy. Billy stood still and grinned. Wow, what was that? I feel ever so warm now. Sorry, I think I drunk a bit much. You idiot, cried Davy. If it hadn't been for Kaimi Rane. Yeah, thanks, crikey, you should all try some. For an answer, Davy, Ben, Anne and Chrissy each picked up a ball of snow and pelted him. The next few minutes saw a chaotic skirmish of arms, legs and laughter after Billy, now splattered in white, had begun to hit back with particularly good aim while a bemused Kaimi Rane stood to one side to watch. Though amid the snow and screams and mayhem, the group was unaware of its audience. That boy is going to be in so much trouble if he's not careful laughed Somat, his eyes bright with amusement at the scene they witnessed through the portal of actuality. Too much trouble, spat Lockean. Maybe, although he has shown remarkable courage and compassion. I agree he takes risks, but he will learn not to be quite as wayward. We all understand the nature of risk. At least it shows he is not afraid, said Ezrin. But will those risks be our downfall? We rely too much on these children, Lockean stated. Yet they have already found one of the items and have collected many clues for the others. I have great hopes for their success, said an excited Prithivis. Psyche agreed with her. The goodness in that boy shines through. Prithivis is correct. Look how he solved the problem of the dwarf dragon. Doesn't that show regard for others? But the creature should never have been made in the first place, argued Lockean, glaring around the table. 
Don't you see, Lockean, he put it right. We sensed how much he wanted to keep it, yet he showed both good sense and thought for someone else. Anna Coretta was right in trusting the pen of mercy to his care. Ezrin spoke with determination. Humph! He'll probably lose it. The others have done nothing so far, Lockean said, stubbornly sticking to his ideas. Give them time. It is all I can give them. I'm sure they'll prove themselves worthy. Look how generous they are in accepting Kaimi Rane. Can we say the same for all those here in Avalon? But look at them now. They're wasting your precious time, Ezrin, Nokian retaliated, a sly grin on his face, choosing to ignore that last remark. Though he wasn't the only one to think that great oath should be banished to a world more suitable for those of his kind. Ezrin is right, said Shivan at the head of the table. They do show great promise. Lockean, do you not agree that they have done well so far? Ha! And as for what we're seeing now, it will do more good than harm. The Star Council remained silent after Shivan had spoken, watching as the children fell to the ground, laughing. They lay panting while Kaimi Rane sat on a small rock, waiting, his heart full of strange yearning. Okay, get up, you lot, said Davy, as he stood brushing snow from his clothes, then taking out the container of golden liquid. I think. We should have some of this stuff. Not you, Billy. Yeah, yeah. Careful to take only a sip, they passed around the bottle, immediately feeling warmth race through their bodies. Kaimi Rane? asked Davy. I, I have no, no need. Thank you. I think those mountaineers and explorers should have some of that stuff. They'd never get cold, said Anne, dusting the last of the snow from Chrissy's back. Come on, let's find that flower. With renewed energy, she led the way up the mountain. I hope we don't have to climb much further. We don't have the right stuff. You know, those pointy pick things and special clothes and shoes, said Chrissy a while later. Let's hope. It hasn't been like real mountain climbing yet, Anne responded. Have you seen these rocks? asked Ben. Yeah, weird, replied Billy. How do you think it happened? As they climbed, they'd seen more and more groups of various sized rocks in perfectly formed shapes. I can only see circles, squares and triangles, though, Davy declared. Wait, look, cried Billy, as they scrambled even higher. Stars, loads of them. They're more like paving stones than rocks now, said Anne. Rushing over to a large cluster of star-shaped slabs, Chrissy asked, How will we know which one? We'll just have to try them all, Davy pronounced. But that'll take ages, Billy moaned. Davy shrugged. It's supposed to be Anne's job, Billy said, folding his arms. Yes, but if we all help... Davy's right. Don't be so mean, cried Chrissy. Yeah, but I'm hungry. You can't be, said Anne. Billy stood, stubbornly refusing to move. He couldn't help it. He was hungry. He was. Well... You'll have to stay hungry until we get back down the mountain, said Davy, already beginning to lift the surprisingly smooth chunks. 
There must be thousands of them, groaned Billy, ramming his hands into his pockets, while the rest of them steadily worked their way through the spread of rocks. Hey, what now? Davy grumbled. I'd forgotten about these, he said, pulling out a handful of chocolate berries and cramming them into his mouth. Mmm, Eh? I said, began Billy, clearing his mouth, do you want some? I'm busy. Okay, okay, I'll help, he agreed, but not before pushing another handful into his mouth. Stop, stop, commanded Davy a while later. Let's sit a minute. It's getting harder to breathe, declared Chrissy, panting as she plonked down on the nearest resting place. We're never going to find it, Billy said, popping the last of the berries into his mouth. Listen, exactly what did Anna Coretta say? Davy asked. She said Anne was the one who had to pick the flower because she wouldn't take it for granted, Chrissy reminded them. And she told us the flower held magic and that Anne had to believe that it was there, said Ben. She also said that it wouldn't die as long as Anne believed in it, murmured Davy. But that's it, don't you see? Huh? said Billy, licking his teeth. It's up to Anne, right? That's what I said before. No, listen, she has to believe, and then she'll see it. Davy looked at each of them and sighed. It doesn't matter which rock it's under. What? Billy yelled. You mean we've been doing this for nothing? Well, yeah, blood and sand. No point in going on about it. So, cut in Anne, her voice quiet, you think it's up to me that I only have to believe it's there and... Yes, Davy agreed, equally as quiet, staring at her. Right then. Chrissy made to follow, but Davy raised a warning hand and gently shook his head. Remembering the picture in the book, Anne purposely walked to one of the star-shaped stones and levered it higher to peek underneath. There was nothing but a bare patch of soil and the flattened stubble of brown and white strands of forgotten grass. Closing her eyes, she willed herself to see it, but nothing changed. How could she do it, would she? Why did they think she could? She tried another, then another, but saw no sign, no hint of blue, no flower of any kind. Dropping the next slab back to the ground, Anne stood and turned to see Kaimi Rane walking towards her. You, you, mamma must feel it deep inside, he said, pressing his paw to his broad chest. At the same time, think about what you, you have seen so far. Anne smiled up at him, knowing he was right, but... T together, he added. Anne nodded and crouched near the next rock. With Kaimi Rane's paw close to her hand, Anne prized the rock from the ground, this time letting it fall to one side. Gasping, she stared down, for there it was in all its splendour. It looked exactly as it had in the book, she thought. Only better. She'd found the blue star flower, its glorious blue dazzling against a sea of rocks and snow. 
It's here. It's beautiful. Come and see. The others scrambled to look. Geez, it's gorgeous. Great, Anne, you did it. Thought it'd be all flat being under that. Go on then, pick it. Ordered Billy. Okay, okay, she said, reaching a shaky hand towards its stem. Would it die? She didn't want to kill it, and everyone knew that's what happened as soon as you picked a flower. Swallowing hard, and then remembering Anna Coretta's words, Anne let her fingers close around the stem, feeling her heart pound. Oh, she murmured, as she gently pulled at the base. Sure, she could hear the blossom sigh as it easily came away from the earth. Standing again, Anne stared at it. Can you hear something? Sort of, said Chrissy, gently touching one of the blue petals. Like it's humming, really faint though. You're right, agreed Chrissy, putting her ear closer. Where are you going to put it? In here. Carefully, Anne slipped the flower into the front pocket of her jeans, where she hoped it would be least likely to fall out or be crushed. Right, we'd better get a move on, said Davy, a wide grin on his face. The answering pond, okay? No one said a word as they followed him down the mountain, their minds busy with what might happen next.